Iranian terrorist leader Qasem Soleimani is taken out. The media play defense for Iran and Obama. The Democrats show their anger. And Ricky Gervais obliterates Hollywood. Welcome to 2020. This is the God and Freedom Show. <laughs> This news cycle, guys, this news cycle, I swear, it's like we, it's only been like 10 days into the new year and we've had about maybe 20 years of news cycle material just coming all in at once. Like this year has started off insane, insane. So we, like, so in other words, I have a lot to get to today, like a lot. So, but before we get to all that, um, I do want to, there's a little pitch real quick. Um, so this all this talk about, you know, war and Iran and all that, all that crap, um, makes you wonder, like, if, you know, when, if we do actually go to war Iran, there's going to be a lot of, you know, our soldiers being killed and injured and all that. And the thing is, when they're, when all soldiers are injured, they're sent to hospitals or in overseas or brought back here and then are discharged from the military. And the problem is, like, when they get here, they have, like, no good system to help take care of them. Because the fact is, the government has sucks in this area. They have not done a good job taking care of our veterans who deserve it so much. So that's why it, this all comes down to rely on us, like, private citizens to do this. That's why, like, a good place to, like, go to is the Winter Warrior Project. Like, this, not only do they help with, uh, you know, physical injuries also help with, you know, the mental injuries, like, you know, PTSD and all that good stuff. Um, this is a really good organization right here. They do a lot of good stuff. So I do recommend doing a little, like, kind of donation type thing. Um, you can go with, like, you do a monthly donation, a one-time donation or whatever, and you do whatever amount you want, of course. But definitely check it out because, you know, these guys do so much good stuff for this country it's like we this is the least we can do to turn the favor alrighty so on to the news where the where do I start um let's actually start with uh Ricky Gervais because um the some the Iranian stuff is gonna take the majority of the show and I really want to get to this Ricky Gervais stuff because it just it was hilarious so Ricky Gervais is a um British comedian who, you know, he's famous for kind of rants like this. Like, he just doesn't care about the Hollywood crowd whatsoever. So, and the thing about the Hollywood crowd is, like, they're just so, like, uppity, like, elitist class. Like, they just, like, they know everybody. They're above everybody and all that. They know better than anybody else. That's why they, you know, a lot of them preach, like, these bad political opinions or whatever even though like most of them don't even know anything about the subject they're talking about so and the thing is like at these uh you know oscars or golden globes is usually what these are are just these celebrities patting each other on the back like and then sp spelling out nonsense and just attacking the middle of the country and all, all that so We've been waiting for years this for someone to return the favor on them. 
and Ricky Gervais did at the Golden Globes the other night. So, yeah, he was the host for the Golden Globes, and, uh, yeah, it was, I, I didn't watch the Golden Globes, but I did see the clips of what he said, and it was just, it was great, really great. So, um, let's start with, like, this part, he's basically, he's basically talking about, you know, making jokes or other thing, and here he gets to, he's talking about, you know, Netflix, you know, people are watching Netflix instead of, like, network TV, which is kind of true, you know, network TV is it's still popular, but there's a lot of people going, more people going to Netflix. And rightfully so, kind of Netflix is awesome. But he was talking about this show called The Afterlife, where this guy basically wants to kill himself because his wife dies of cancer or whatever. And here is basically, this is a Jeffrey Epstein joke, pretty much. And here's what kind of is said. You could binge watch the entire first season of Afterlife instead of watching this show. That, that's a show about a man who wants to kill himself because his wife dies against her. And it's still more fun than this. Talking about the Golden Globes, of course, which probably is. Like, most TV shows are better than the Golden Globes. Probably. I mean, I'd rather watch Twilight than the Golden Globes. But, he could end here. Spoiler alert, season 2 is on the way, so in the end he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. Shut up, I know he's your friend, but I don't care. So, yeah, basically what the Hollywood crowd was doing is that they were like, all like, these, had these stone faces saying, oh, how dare he make an Epson joke? That, we can't do that here. We don't do that here. And the fact is, you know, probably a lot of them were no new Epstein kind of friends with him. I don't, they're probably, I'm not saying they were involved in that, what he was involved in, but they probably knew him. But, like, most of the entire crowd was, like, just stone-faced, shot by this joke. I mean, really, the only guy who, like, was actually legit laughing was Adam Driver. Because, I mean, he's... Doesn't seem like a loon. Unlike some of them. He was, he was obviously... He was a Marine, too. So, that probably why he... He's kind of not like your typical Hollywood actor, whatever. But this isn't even the best part right here. Like, he just... Continues on and yeah, it was it was great. Like here's the best part right here. It's the last time. Who cares? Apple roared into the TV game with the morning show, a superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. Well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for in China, um, can't work. Well, you say you, you're woke, but the companies you work for in China, unbelievable. Um, Apple, Amazon, Disney. If I just start a streaming service, you call your agent, wouldn't you? So if you if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a plaf platform to make a political speech. You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world, and most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So if... If you win, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God, and he says, you know, F off or whatever. And okay, it's already, it's already three hours long, right? Let's do the first award. Like, slow clap for, for Ricky Gervais over there. And he is exactly right. Like, these, like, at most of these awards, award shows, like the Oscars, the Emmys, whatever, 
like these people who win the awards use it as like some type of thing go after Trump or conservatives or whatever make some kind of political speech and the thing is like they most of the time they know nothing they don't know anything that they're talking about nothing and basically like Ricky Gervais is basically calm out and like you guys do not know nothing about what you're talking about so how about this just accept your award and just get off the stage simple as that and that's right his was of course the media and the Hollywood crowd was just all shocked and like horrified by this how dare he say that to us we're Hollywood we're we're elitists here like how dare he say we shouldn't be talking about politics even we know even if we don't know anything about it so I mean the slate was probably the worst about this whole thing because um, they Slate so is obviously a left-wing or like news source right here. So, yeah, they're also very angry at this. And here's here's the kind of headline for this: Ricky Gervais scolding the girls' jokes, ranked in order of like jerkiness. That's modifier, by the way. From the righteously pro provocative to just plain mean. Yeah, this is a big problem. He was just mean to the hollow crowd. I mean, this is the same hollow crowd that, you know, has been supporting, you know, people like um, Harvey Weinstein or uh, just all those type of people. And they want to get all, like, up in arms because of Ricky Gervais calling them out for the BS. So here's what the piece says. Going into the Golden Gloves, the biggest question was not who will win the win, win the night's biggest awards, but how much of a jerk Ricky Gervais would be. Of course, of, of the course of his four previous hosting gigs, Gervais has cultivated the reputation of a provocateur, unafraid to challenge the rich and powerful. Whether it be taking aim at Mel Gibson's anti-Semitism or Caitlyn Jenner's transition, although he is sorry about that one, that one time he made fun of Tim Allen's movie career. And that's the thing about um that's the thing about Ricky Gervais he's not he's not a right winger by any stretch of magic he's a pretty much a left winger but so I mean he doesn't like Trump or conservative or, or anything like that but he's not down loon like he's actually willing to probably probably actually willing to top people on the other side and he's and he's not like you know your far like leftist that just doesn't like anybody else's opinion or whatever but it continues here on occasion, Gervais does genuinely speak true to power, but much of the time is just, well, being kind of a jerk. So we've separated the shocks from the sneers. The big swings from the petty jabs rank them most, them from the most to least, I'm jerkish. Enjoy. And here's the category of just plain mean right here. Like, it's just, it's pathetic. Like, seriously, they, they like, say, like, oh, he just so mean to us. And this is the thing with the media as well. Like, whenever, like, say, Trump or conservatives, like, go after the media, they say, how dare he be so mean to us? I mean, never mind the fact that they've been, like, just plain awful for, like, years at this point. 
but if you dare say anything bad about them, you're just so mean to them. Like, they're the, they're the victims that are so victimized in America that you can't say anything bad about them. Like a lot of people, a lot of these people in the media are the most like privileged, uppity people in America, the most richest people in America, and they have the audacity to say, "Like you can't be mean to us, you can't be mean to us." And, it, and the same goes to the Hollywood crap. So, and luckily, I mean, not everybody was like this. Um, there's plenty of people who are just you know, kind of normal, or are you know conservative at least, or just whatever. And people like, you know, Tim Allen, Adam Driver, like I said earlier, or just whatever, but as hard when I average is like just it's like it's like this. It's and that's why that's why you see conservatives, you know, going like dropping off like not seeing any Hollywood movies or whatever. I mean, personally I really like movies, I don't see myself doing that, but again, that doesn't mean I don't think Hollywood is a garbage, like, a garbage organization. It much is. Alrighty, so... Now that we got that out of the way, that was about... So, let's get into Iran. So, if in case you haven't been paying attention, you've been living on Iraq. Um, there's been a big escalation over in Iran. Over because what happened was that President Trump ordered a strike on the Iranian uh, general terrorist, terrorist leader, um, it was Qasem Salamati, who was responsible for killing hundreds of Americans. And it's a he's a big deal in Iran. He is like pretty much the leader of their terrorist or, terrorist organization. They, he is responsible for many terrorist attacks throughout the Middle East and all that, especially in Iraq. Like I said, he's killed many, many Americans. So he's a a very <laughs> bad dude. Like he's a dangerous, a dangerous guy. And thankfully, President Trump ordered a strike to and like wipe him off. And where this all started, actually, kind of where it's actually uh, General Mattis has been kind of General Mattis. I hope, yeah. Uh, he's been. Basically pushing Trump to actually order the strike because they have they've had his location for years for months at this point And Mattis is wanting to try to get Trump to order the strike to wipe him off And President Trump has been kind of hesitant not because at heart he is kind of a Not a full isolationist, but he's he is anti-war. He doesn't want any sort of conflict whatsoever in which I don't blame him at all, I, we don't need another full-scale war, and thankfully, under President Trump, unlike you know B Bush and Obama, promised not lead us into war. Uh, Bush was a completely different story, of course. I mean, we had 9/11, so I mean, he we had a good reason to go into Iraq, but with Obama, like we had, I mean, no reason he promised not to get us into war, he, but ended up happening in the first place. So, but with President Trump, he promised that he wouldn't get into the war, and he has so far fulfilled that promise. But where this all kind of like really escalated is that over Christmas break, over New Year's break, I mean, a little bit before New Year's, I believe, it was uh, some Iraqi, like, militia, like, Iraqi militia who was had ties to Iran, 
order was basically storming the U.S. embassy in Iraq or in Baghdad, and basically trying to burn down the place and all that, kill American soldiers in there. And you know, of course, the media was just saying this is Trump's Benghazi or whatever nonsense. The difference is Trump ordered a response team like immediately. And with Baghazi, like there was no response whatsoever, none. Like they had to they had to defend themselves for thirteen hours until like the militia there stopped. So that's not remotely comparable. So, what this you know, basically what happened was is there's a this whole like kind of attack was initiated by Soleimani. So this really initiated Trump, okay, we need to take out this guy before he tries to do anything else and kills more Americans. So on uh, the January 2nd, on the Thursday, Matthew New Year's, he basically ordered a strike and boom, he was dead. And this caused like, you know, so much, you know, outrage over in Iran and many people in the media were outraged by this, Democrats were outraged by this and all that, but I'll get to that. In a little bit, but I'll get to the media. But first, the Iran, Iran, of course, Iran was very upset by this. This is their general, or whatever. Despite the fact that you know he's probably killed many of them. Um, here's the deal: secret. Probably a lot of Iranians are actually happy he's gone because for months at this point, there's been like an upswing of protests and try to get some kind of revolution there because the Iranian government is just awful very very bad and with this like kind of general out of the way it, it could help them actually start a proper revolution to overthrow the government I mean keep a finger crossed by that but anyways but the main like kind of the, the Iranian media or the kind of leaders of Iran have been all upset by this sort of <clears throat> excuse me a, la a massive funeral and all that so so what this kind of prompted is that Iran promised they were going to retaliate and all that. And let's say it was less than par of what they did. I mean, they basically were trying to save face with, with the way they were retaliate. But before we get to the details of all that, um, I mean, in order to get it, you got to go to YouTube to get the rest of the video. So... Yeah, it's be it'll be under the YouTube channel. It'll be under my name, Sean Clinton. Um, you can get the entire video, the rest of what I've been talking about in this um, episode, and also you can get some back um half of this episode. You can get where I took and go over the Book of John. I'll be in John chapter six today, and also I'm going to talk about the best story ever. So yeah, if you want to get the rest of that, just simply go to YouTube. Otherwise, you can find me on SoundCloud, um, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and uh, Stitcher. Yep, that's about it. Um, if you don't want to go to any of those, I'll see y'all next week. Alrighty, so basically what happened was with the um, Iranian retaliation is that they didn't do it didn't do much with it they lost launch of ballistic missiles on was it Tuesday night 
I believe. And they were going after some bases, Iraqi air bases, that was hosting U.S. and coalition troops there. And the thing is, they strategically made it to where it hit different but empty buildings in there because the reason why they did this, you know, they say that it was by accident they missed, but they did on purpose because they know if they actually were to kill Americans, like they'll be gone. And here's the thing about Iran. Like people are saying, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna bring a war with Iran and everything. Nobody wants war with Iran. Trump doesn't want war with Iran, nobody. It's including Iran. Like because they know that if they were to go to full-scale war with us, like they'll be gone in about three weeks to a month, at at most. So, yeah, this was basically what this kind of launch missile attack was. It's just kind of a safe face thing, and just it did nothing. So what what happened was President Trump just took it as like, hey, we won. You know, Iran is basically backing down, which is what this was. This is, Iran's basically saying they're backing down from their escalation. They may try other attacks in the future, but it'd probably be more like this than anything because, again, they're not they're not stupid enough to actually go to try full-scale attack on Americans or even American soil or whatever. Um, even if they do, again, they'll be wiped off in a matter in a month. So, in the kind of response to this, you know, President Trump took it as a, basically as a win. And he, had to, and he had the right to do so. And so basically the following morning, on that Wednesday, yeah, the, uh, he gave a terrific speech, kind of press conference about this whole thing, and here's what he said about it. As long as, as, long as I am President of the United States, Iran would never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon. Good morning. I'm pleased to inform you the American people should be extremely grateful and happy no Americans were harmed in last night's attacks by the Iranian regime. We suffer no casualties. All of our soldiers are safe and only a minimal damage has sustained from at our military bases. Our great American forces are prepared for anything. Iran appears to be standing down, which is a good thing for all parties concerned and a very good thing for the world. No American Iraqi allies were lost because of the precautions taken. The despair of forces and early warning system that worked very well. I salute the incredible skill and courage of Americans, men and women in uniform. For far too long, all the way back to 1979 to be exact, Nations have tolerated Iran's disruptive and destabilizing behavior in the Middle East and beyond. Those days are over. Iran has been the leading sponsor of terrorism and their pursuit of nuclear weapons threaten, threatens the civilized wor world. We will never let that happen. Last week, we took a decisive action to stop a ruthless terrorist threatening American lives. At my direction, the United States eliminated the world's top terrorist, Qasem Soleimani. As the head of the Quds Force, I hope I said that right, Soleimani was personally responsible for absolutely for some of the absolutely worst atrocities. He trained terrorist armies, including Hezbollah, 
launching terrorist attacks against civilian targets. He fueled um, blaze civil wars all across the region. He eventually wounded and murdered thousands of American U.S. troops, including the planting of Roosevelt bombs that maim and dismember their, vic their victims. Soleimani directed the recent attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq that badly wounded four service members and killed one American. He orchestrated the violent assault on the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. In recent days, he was planning new attacks on American targets, but we stopped him. Soleimani's hands were drenched in both American and Iranian blood. He should have been terminated long ago. By removing Soleimani, we have sent a powerful message to terrorists. If you value your own life, you will not threaten the lives of our people. As we continue to evaluate the options in response to Iranian aggression, the United States will immediately impose additional punishing and economic um, sanctions on the Iranian regime. These powerful sanctions will remain until Iran changes its behavior. In recent months alone, Iran has seized ships in international waters, fired unprovoked strike on Saudi Arabia, and shot down two U.S. drones. Iran's hostilities substantially increased after the foolish Iran nuclear deal was signed in 2013, which is completely true, and I'll get to that a little bit. And they were given $150 billion, not to mention $1.8 billion in cash. Instead of saying thank you to the United States, they turned death to America. In fact, they turned death to America the day the agreement was signed. Then Iran went on a terrorist spree, funding by the money from the deal created and created hell in Yemen, Syria, Lebanon, Afghanistan, and Iraq. The missiles fired last night at us and our allies were paid for the with the fund paid for with the funds made available by the last administration. The regime also greatly tightened the reins on their own country, even recently killing. 1,500 people at the many protests that are taking place throughout Iran. The very defect, the very defective JCPOA aspires for anyway, and gives Iran a clear, quick path to nuclear breakout. Iran must abandon its nuclear ambitions and end its support for terrorism. The time has come for the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Russia, and China to recognize this reality. They must not break away from the remnants of the Iran deal, and we must all work together to toward making a deal with Iran and that makes the world a safer and more peaceful place. We must also make a deal with a deal that allows Iran to thrive and prosper and take advantage of, of its enormous untrapped potential. Iran can be a great country. Peace and stability in, in in the Middle East can as long peace and stability cannot prevail in the Middle East as long as Iran continues to foment foment violence, unrest, hatred, and war. The civilized world must send a clear and a unified message to the Iran regime. Your campaign of terror, murder, and mayhem will not be tolerated any longer. It will not be it will not allowed to be go. It will not be allowed to go forward. So he continues on in all this, and he's he's exactly right. And I'll of course post the entire transcript in the uh, in the description of the video. 
but he ends up with this. Tens of thousands of ISIS fighters have been killed and captured during my administration. ISIS is, my, is a natural enemy of Iran. The destruction of ISIS is good for Iran, and we should work together on, on this and sh sh other shared priorities. Finally, to the people and leaders of Iran, we want to have a future in great have a future when do you have a future in a great future one that you deserve one of prosperity at home and harmony with the nature of the world the united states is ready to embrace peace with all who seek seek it i want to thank you and god bless america thank you very much thank you so yeah this was a terrific speech by president trump a terrific speech and he made the speech that he needed to make after you know the missile attack and everything and yeah, this is this is a good, very good thing by by the Trump administration. You know, they don't again. Trump doesn't want a full scale war, but in order to prevent full scale war like like this, you need something called deterrence. And this is the thing with the Obama administration when they signed the disastrous Iran deal, which is basically giving pallets of cash to Iranians to stop their nuclear program. But the thing is, they used that money to build up the terrorist regime, so it did. It didn't do crap at all. And the thing is, Obama like saying that we only have two choice choices in this thing: appeasement or war. And that's a false choice. There's a third choice that nobody ever considers, and that's deterrence. You you basically say you mess with us, we may, we destroy you. And Iran knows, like, it, now, after this attack, and they mess with America, they will be destroyed. That's why they back down. So, see, the turns does work. So, if all the people, you know, saying, oh, we're on the brink of full-scale war, no. <laughs> we are not. But, of course, you know, the media, Democrats have just been all up in arms by this. And Nancy Pelosi is all angry by this, that she... She's like angry saying, you know, President Trump should have seek approval from Congress for going out doing this strike. Um, the thing is, I mean, on a principle level, I sort of agree, but even even on full principle level, like the kind of strike that President Trump initiated here, I wouldn't say it does it doesn't fall under the need of a declaration of war. And according to I mean, yeah, so, if he were to go, like, start a full-scale war with that congressional approval, that would be a completely different story, but, like, strikes like this is, doesn't really require congressional approval, so it's supposed to just kind of speaking nonsense, and thing is, like, she, she was all silent when Obama actually started a full-scale war in, Le in Libya without <laughs> Um, getting congressional approval so she's obviously a hypocrite here but she's actually put out a vote in the house to basically limit Trump's war powers in Iran to make sure that he gets congressional approval <clears throat> which okay the thing is like they keep saying like you know Trump's declaring war or you know war powers whatever this is not a war this is a deterrence there's a complete difference and again nobody wants war 
And the only way to do that is to do Jarrett's again. But, of course, you know, the legislation did pass in the House, but it will not pass in the Senate, so it'll be it's going nowhere. But, uh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi, all the Democrats were all up in arms by this, like, how dare Trump do this? I mean, while during the fact that Obama did pretty much the same thing without congressional approval, so, yeah. It's nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with them wanting to protect the Constitution. It's that they hate Trump and that he has dismantled the Obama administration, administration's, uh, you know, priorities and all that. So here is a tweet from a few people. Here's one from Elizabeth Warren. And here's what she says. Soleimani was a martyr, responsible for the deaths of thousands, including hundreds of Americans. But this reckless move move escalates the situation with Iran and increases the likelihood of more deaths and new Middle East conflict. Our priority must be to avoid another costly war. Again, which is exactly what this strike did. And the thing is, like, people have been echoing her, saying, like, Trump is the one escalating the, the violence in Iran and everything. They're saying, like, completely ignore the fact that everyone has been escalating terror for years at this point. But they believe that as soon as that it was all fine until Trump threw away the Iranian Iran deal, which is complete nonsense. Again, they've been building up the terror for years at this point, especially since the Iranian deal. But here's a here's a couple of tweets from Ben Rose, who was the one of the chief sponsors of this Iran deal, and he's just he's been like a doof during this whole thing, like saying like Iran was on the brink of moderation until Trump came in. Completely lies, of course, but here's what here's one of the said. It's interesting to consider the astonishing amount of time that Trump can just lie directly to Americans on television and who will not see those lies fact-checked. Okay. Okay. First of all, like the media spend like most of their time trying to fact-check fact -check Trump on everything, so I don't know where he's pulling that out. But the idea like, you know, Trump is directly lied to Americans and all that, like, okay, last I checked, you directly lied, directly lied to the Americans as well about saying, you know, Iran is moderate, become moderate and everything. So I don't want to, like, that you have no light to stand on here at all. And here's another one right here. I'm guessing that if Iran announced it was biting by JC, JCPOA limits, the counter ISIS mission was suspended. The Iraqi parliament voted to expel U.S. forces. Iran fired off ballistic missiles at U.S. bases. No one would say Obama had a win. So, okay. What? It doesn't make sense. So first of all, like, Iran was not buying, abiding by the Iran deal limits. And so basically, like, a lot of Democrats are saying that, you know, Obama did nothing wrong or anything. Like, how dare Trump go after Obama? Despite the fact that, you know, Obama's Iran deal was just garbage, garbage, garbage. 
and it did nothing to help the, um, the Iron regime. So, I don't know where he's pulling that out. So, yeah, the Democrats are just all up in arms by this, and just... But we're just waiting until they get to the media. The media has just been worse at this whole thing. But first, let's get into, like, some Republican response. Of course, most Republicans are, you know, happy about this. But there's there's a couple of Republicans that are kind of upset, um, including Mike Lee, who... Senator Mike Lee, who went... Like, completely lashed down Trump over his press conference. I mean, on a principal level, what he was saying, I agree with, but I don't know. Um, yeah. The way he said things, and honestly, um, I don't agree with everything he said in that thing, but on a principal level, there's some I do agree with it. With. But the thing is, so there's a difference between like this right here. And he's he's because he's a like very knowledgeable the Constitution, so he's coming from the constitutional perspective, and the Democrats are coming from a perspective that they hate Trump, and they want to protect Obama. That's pretty much it. But here's where the media comes in. Like they've been garbage. It's been headline after headline. There's been complete and utter garbage or whatever. So, here's a piece from the New York Times, and basically this is over, what happened was after the whole missile strike, um, there was a plane um, from Ukraine that went down, it's a commercial flight, and they killed 63 Canadians and some Ar Iranians as well, and it was actually shot down by Iran on missiles, but accidentally, according to them, but... Anyways, but the media has been blaming, you know, the U.S. over this, saying if Trump hasn't, hadn't, you know, killed somebody, this wouldn't happen. Come on. Come on. Like, Iranian, the Iranian regime opened fires on his people fairly frequently. So, I mean, yeah, this is no shock. This is no shock, but anyways. Evidence that, here's what it says, evidence that a plane was shot down in Iran may upset U.S. and Canadian relations. As evidence emer emerged that an Iranian missile may have um, failed a jetliner, causing the death of 63 Canadians journalists, journalist press Justin Trudeau, if President Trump should bear any blame. Montreal, new evidence indicating that Iranian surface um, to air surface-to-air missile caused the plane the plane crash this week that killed 63 Canadians is likely to undermine Canada's already acrimonious relation with Iran. But the disaster also lessens the damage Ottawa's crucial but fraud partisan partnership with Washington. On Thursday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of Canada said that his country had intelligence showing that Iran had down the Ukrainian jetliner, which was carrying 63 Canadians among its 176 passengers and crew. But he stressed that he wanted a thorough investigation before reaching any conclusions. The families and victims of the all Canadians want answers, he said. If it is determined that it was a Iranian mission, Mitchell Trudeau will 
have to grapple with the question of whether the United States, Canada's most important ally, played a role in provoking the events that ultimately resulted in the loss of Canadian lives. The plane crash crashed on Wednesday morning, only hours after Iran had launched a barrage of 22 missiles against two military bases housing American troops. The Iranian attack was in relation for the United States killing of uh, General Qasim Soleimani, who um, one of the most powerful powerful figures in Iran's leadership. This is the thing when they, they keep like they kind of steer away from calling him a terrorist, even though he was a terrorist. So like, there's been a lot of people in the media echoing this, saying, you know, Trump is responsible for the death of the Canadians and all that. It's just utter nonsense. But this again, the media is trying to play defense for Obama and just screw out the Trump. Whatever. But here's another place from Esquire. And this is going after Trump's uh, speech the other day because um, during the speech he was, um, I think it sounded like he had a cold or something, maybe. But, it, but he was probably not, had gotten any sleep for a while um, during this whole thing. So it does make sense. But people have been going out there like he's been, he was slurring words and, and all that. So here's... Yeah, here's what it says. Some of what it says. <coughs> Excuse me. It remains incredible to watch the people on the TV respond to a speech from the President of the United States, breathing heavily and frequently certain his words as if another basically normal thing just happened. We spend our days now trying to decipher whether a former game show host with a perpetual goggle. Tan and tan is zero impulse control has strategy to solve one of the most persistent complicated ge geopolitical crises of the last half century historians will marvel at this phenomenon assuming we make it that far okay what this, this is the problem here. like they keep saying like Trump's escalating a war or this just is not true whatsoever but here's if it continues. That said, it appears Donald Trump hit the most important notes in his speech from the White House Wednesday morning, in, in that he signals some openness to diplom diplomacy and seemed to get the message of the Islamic Republic's Thursday, Tuesday night missile strike on a U.S. military base in Iraq. Iran clearly felt it had to respond after the U.S. assassinated its second most important figure in figure. Some Samadhi. But I, the Iranians made it clear they were not seeking an immediate escalation. Of course. Of course, because they'd be stupid to do that. Many observers point out that there's every chance that the long term Iran is about to rule spies has only just begun. Trump essentially announced that he, there would be no immediate military escalation, but he did provide further evidence that the assassination label. It was just is justified with the respect to Salman's going. He offered no proof of imminent attacks. His message used to say Salman was orchestrating against Americans, which therefore justified the strike. 
Okay, I mean, uh, first off, like, we gotta, like, what's your definition of immediate threat? And, and plus, he was planning attacks on Americans, and he just uh, launched an attack on a U.S. embassy. So, and he's been killing Americans for years, and just, they've been, he's been, like, involved in this terror regime for years at this point. So, to say he was an immediate threat, imminent threat, is just nonsense. And plus, uh, that's the case. I mean, Osama bin Laden was an imminent threat, but they were all cheering loudly when Obama ordered their killing of him. So, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a double standard here. So, yeah, it's just, it's all stupid. And then, it, you know, it's only, it gets, continues right here. And here's the, this is the New York Times' is a obituary of Qasem Soleimani. And here's what it says. Qasem Soleimani, master of Iranian, Iran's intrigue built on, um, sh uh, Shahid, Axis power, uh, power in Middies, in Middies. The commander helped direct wars in Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, and Yemen, and became the face of Iran's efforts to build a regional bloc of power. He changed the shape of the Syrian civil war and tightened Iran's grip on Iraq. He was behind hundreds of American deaths in Iraq, in Iraq and waves of militia attacks against Israel. And for two decades, his, his every move led up the communica communications networks and fed the obsessions of the intelligence operatives across the Middle East. On Friday, Major General Qasem Soleimani, the powerful and shadowy 62-year-old spymaster at the head of Iran's security missionary, was killed by an American drone strike near Baghdad. Just as his accomplishments shaped the creation of of a Shahid, I hope I'm saying that right, axis of influence across the Middle East, with Iran at the center of his death, is now likely to prove central to a new chapter of geopolitical tension across the region. General Soleimani was the vanguard of Iran's revolutionary generation joining the Islamic Revolution Guards Corps in his early 20s after the 1979 uprising that enshrined the country's Shahid theocracy. So, I mean, the fact that there's like this type of um, like obituary to him is just is weird to me. It doesn't make sense. But let's con con contrast that. I'm going to find the other headline real quick. So here's a like comparison obituary that the New York Times also posted. It's about Coach uh, Sam White um, for the Cincinnati Bengals um, he, um, for the NFL. And here's what the headline said. Sam White, who was the last coach to lead the Cincinnati Bengals, Bengals, to the Super Bowl, but who later find 
was later fined by the National Football League for barring a female reporter from the team's locker room has died. And compared to the Salmani's obituary, Kasim Salmani, master of Iran's intrigue and force, dies at 62. So, okay. So the coach, it's very bad for like a coach to, it's so bad for the coach to borrow a female reporter from the locker room that they had to put that in his obituary. But, you know, Salmani killed thousands of Americans and Iraqis and Iranians, but we're not going to bother to put that in the headline. And this is the thing with the media. They've been just playing defense for Iran just like for whatever reason. They've been basically spewing the propaganda. I'm pretty sure Iranian, the Iran is government is having a fun time with what the U.S. media is saying. It's all been gross. Very, very disgusting stuff. But anyway, seriously, uh, the last kind of piece I want to go over and it's an opinion piece in the New York Times and it's titled, The Day After War Begins in Iran. The outpouring of grief for Qasem Samadhi in this country's first act of retaliation. The last time I wrote seriously about a war in Iran was in 2012. It had been especially fraught year with Iran's revolutionary guards running naval exercises in the Persian Gulf in Israel and the United States conducting joint drills and safety of oil shipping lanes looking entirely unsured. Oil prices rattled skittishly. Everyone suddenly monitored ships' headlines and headlines speculating that Israel might attack Iran's nuclear sites. My assessment was considered the day after. To imagine how Iranians would react to if, if their country was bombed by Israel. And it basically, this is basically like saying like Americans are basically the bad guys in this whole thing. And just, it's all gross. Like this media has been echoing this. Americans are the real bad guys here. Iran, Qasem Soleimani was a victim. In Trump's like, in Trump's terrorism, people have been calling Trump the terrorist, despite that he has launched no terrorist attacks, or whatever. So, it's all been gross. But just when I say this, if Obama had done this, the media would have been all, you know, cheering and everything. But since Trump did it, of course, they're all up in arms because not only did he do it, something good that they don't agree, that. That's good for America. We also ruined Obama, Obama's reputation, which they can't. They can't have that. Obama must be protected by all costs. Oh, alrighty. So, I think that's all for the Iranian stuff. I mean, there's a lot more I'd rather get to, but we just have don't have too much time. So let's get to some the Book of John here. So last time we let let we went through, we started the Jesus spread a life um, section of John chapter six, and we went from verse twenty two to verse forty. So we're gonna continue from verse forty one to fifty nine. 
and you'll be can follow along in course and I'll be a new eleven translation. Then the people began to murmur um, in disagreement because he said has said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, Stop stop complaining about what it said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws then to me. And at the last day I'll raise them up. As it, as it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns, learns from him comes to me. Not comes to me. Not that anyone who has ever seen the Father, only I, who has who was sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate ate manna in the wilderness, but they will they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from come from heaven ever will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread will, will which will I, I will offer so the world may live in my as is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I raised the person at the last day. That person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is, is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because the living Father who sent me in the same way who anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats his bread will not die as our ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So yeah, this is this is a really good passage right here. And basically in short term, what he's saying by the whole, you know, he's the bread of life and everything. Like he's the guy that will give you true internal life. Basically you can't like have eternal life unless you go through him and either bread that he either bread that he offers. Which is certainly true. But there's, you know, some some people would say, you know, there are many ways to heaven and all that. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says, you know, no one comes to the Father except through Him. So, that's what basically he's saying here in this. And you kind of see how he echoes the communion, which is, you know, you drink, eat it, eat his, you know, the bread and the wine, which is resembles of you eating, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, which gives you the eternal life. So, yeah, again, it's a it's a really good passage. So, so next week is to be over. We're gonna start with um section. Uh, sorry, verse sixty, and probably finishing off the chapter. And the next section is called "Many Disciples Desert Jesus." And so that should be that'll be interesting to go over. 
Alrighty, so let's get to some good stuff and mad stuff. So, some good stuff. This story, this story right here, is the best story ever. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like you, I'll put this link, this link to this article in the description below. Cause it is just glorious. So here's, so you've heard the whole, you know, kind of Florida man meme or whatever. And you know, there's been Florida man does well, X, Y, and Z. Florida woman does X, Y, and Z. But now there's a new thing. Florida couple does X, Y, and Z. So here's what it says. And this is just so so awesome okay I don't know if I can keep straight face for this but I'll try couple arrested for selling golden tickets to heaven for the couple arrested all right so it's so good so, this happened in Nashville Florida Tito and Amanda Watts were arrested over the weekend were selling golden tickets to heaven to hundreds of people, the couple who sold the tickets on the street for $99.99 per ticket told the buyers tickets were made from solid gold and each ticket reserved them reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. Simply present the ticket, ticket at the parlor gates and you're in. People can sell tickets to heaven, a Jacksonville police spokesman said, but the Watts misrepresented their product. The tickets were just wood, brand painted, gold with the ticket to heaven amid, amid one, written in marker. So it wasn't even a legit thing, it was probably like some little like kid trolling type thing. You can't sell something as gold when it's not, when it's not. That's where the was crossed the line into doing something illegal. Here's the best part. Tito <laughs> Tito said in his Tito Watts said in his police statement, I don't care what the police say, the tickets are solid gold. It ain't cut up by it ain't cut up two by fours. I spray painted that spray painted gold and it was Jesus, who gave the Janine fire down to Casey instead of selling so I could need some money to go to outer space. <laughs> okay. Okay. I met an alien named Stevie who said, who said I if I got the cash together, he take me and my wife on his flying saucer to his planet that made as neat a diary of crack cocaine. <laughs> you can smoke all the crack that that you want totally free. So try to send so try to to send an innocent mail to jail man to jail and see what happens. You should arrest <laughs> You should arrest Jesus because he's the one that gave me the dual one tickets and just to sell them. I'm willing to wear a wire and set up Jesus. So good. It's so good. Amanda wants to set in her police statement. 
We just wanted to leave Earth and go to the space and smoke rock cocaine. I didn't do nothing. Tito told sold the tickets to heaven. I just watched. Oh, excuse me. It's clear that people were on drugs. That said they want to go to Planet Apps where made entirely cocaine. Oh, man. And here, here's the last part. Police said they confiscated $10,000 in cash, five crack pipes, and a baby alligator. Oh, man. That's, oh, the story is awesome. Oh, man. Oh. I love the story so much. This is this was the best thing. I loved harder the first time I saw it. Read it. So. Oh, my God. Huh. Okay, so, yeah, I don't have time. I'm not I'm not going to worry about getting to past of the week because um, I'll, I'll just end this episode off, first episode of the year, off with a good note. All right, so. All right, so I'll be back. So. That's all I have for today. So I'll be back here next week with uh, with all whatever other craziness happens. Um, remember, you can find me at on SoundCloud, Spotify, um, Google Play, iTunes. Yes, I said iTunes. I now have, I now was able to get I, my podcast on iTunes. All right for me. Okay. Anyways, and I also on Stitcher, and hopefully in the future, um, iHeartRadio maybe, and some other sites, but. Otherwise, like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see y'all next week. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is The God of Freedom Show.